Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With HSC Midwest. For updated factual information, see hse.ie. By staying apart, we can save lives. As Ireland and many countries across the world begin to slowly ease restrictions uh, relating to COVID-19, experts are scrambling to find ways to prevent uh, the spread of COVID-19 and to contain any future pandemics. And according to a team of researchers at Lero, the SFI Research Centre for Software uh, at the University of Limerick, driverless cars and automotive technology could play a big role in the management of future pandemics. And Dr. Martin Conneen is a member of Lero and uh, the Emerging Risk group at UL and uh, he's on the line. Good morning to you Martin. Good morning Joe, thank you for having me on this morning. You are very welcome. So um, I, I was actually thinking about it this morning, uh, even the car that I drive myself, it, it will tell you at a certain point, oh you need to stop and have a coffee or take a nap or you know there, a lot of this technology does exist. Yeah we're, we're our whole society is becoming more um, informed by artificial intelligence technologies and applications. Um, it's not just our cars, it's our wearable tech, it's our smartphones with Siri, Alexa, um, our workplaces, our homes. Every part of our lifestyle, our daily lifestyle, is uh, informed with some aspect of machine intelligence. And we can use this in many different ways to help us make decisions throughout our day to support our daily activities. Um, And in terms of our current scenario with the COVID-19 pandemic, we we at at Lero, we're asking this question, how can we use this wide array of, of, of intelligence technologies to support us? to help us respond to the current pandemic. I mean, for example, Uh, can my driverless car tell me if I have COVID-19? No. Um, And let's say in the future it could. Um, At the moment it certainly cannot. Uh, What what would probably be required is is an enhanced array of sensors to determine your your temperature and other symptoms uh, that are related to the disease. but yeah, there's 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 numerous sort of uh, complexities around actually sort of you know qualifying a person uh, whether they're infected or not. Now, the inside of a of, a, of an autonomous vehicle would have a sensor suite. Now, whether that sensor suite would be an, enough to warrant um, an accurate sort of uh, um, uh, classification is that that remains to be determined, and it certainly wouldn't be uh, happening anytime soon. But I think the point of of um, this paper. And this, this idea of, of using autonomous vehicles um, in response to the pandemic, pandemic is that it's part of an overall global or global sort of connected society, wherein you know we are data centric societies now, and that data that we produce on a daily basis can help us uh, respond to the pandemic. Um, and the earlier we can sort of assess and and uh, test and trace and isolate. Um, you know, provides us with a really sort of, you know, important uh, risk mitigation mechanism. Because obviously the hope would be that you're driving to work and your car suddenly starts beeping and talking to you and saying, I have a concern, your temperature is up, do not leave this vehicle, make sure that you check yourself for COVID-19, certainly do not go into work. Yeah, there's a kind of, um, more complex aspect to it. You certainly could have, you know, sensors are typically quite cheap. 
Um, so you could have, you know, um, a temperature sensor, you know, as part of the sensor suite of a vehicle that could monitor, monitor that. We, we could certainly do that in the, in the coming years, let's say. But the problem is, and the deeper question is that, well, you know, well, what, what kind of new risk does that introduce in terms of um, the user of the vehicle, in terms of, you know, data use and privacy and what have you? So at the It moment, seems to me that privacy is almost out the window. I mean, the, the talk of the tracing apps and all of that, it yeah. does feel as though, and I mean, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties would have uh, more defined views on this than I would, that uh, a lot of what was seen as precious and vital appears to have been swept to one side in the current context. Yeah, this is this is the deeply problematic scenario, is that, you know, as we've seen with the outbreak of, of the virus in Wuhan and in China, where they actually, and, and South Korea and Singapore, where they've used apps in a very, um, you know, successful way, um, in terms of the European approach to it, we've, we've, we've certainly been more, um, you know, concerned about what the, the use of these apps presents to society. Um, in, in regarding privacy, and you know, there's a huge debate uh, on at the moment. So, if like I'm on Twitter quite a lot, and you know, on Twitter there's, there's you know, privacy experts daily engaging with this idea: what does it mean? Can we use a centralised sort of you know model like they seem to be doing in the UK, where all the data will be gathered from from your phones, from the apps, and stored and analysed in the central server, or can we use um, let's say, the, store the data on the phones itself, a decentralized version um, where that offers more security and, and respects privacy better. Um, but I think all of these approaches regarding the COVID-19 apps and the access to data um, raise important questions that need, need further investigation. And, and Martin, how close are we, in your view, to you know, driverless cars, maybe driverless public transport, um, and, for example, a company having a driverless vehicle in case someone shows symptoms on site of COVID-19 and you want to get that person out of there and you want to get them to their home or to you know a medical facility and you do it in a driverless vehicle so that there's no risk to anyone else? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's it depends, really, you know, like all of these um, technological responses, if the energy is put into it, you know, it could be made happen quite quickly. Um, but, you know, with, let's say in 2016, most of the um, OEMs around uh, driver's technology, um, Honda, Ford, um, uh, Renault and, and BMW, Audi, they all announced to the world, you know, in great fanfare that they'd be, that we'd have fully autonomous vehicles by 2020. And yet we, here we are in 2020 and we have at most uh, level level two part, partial automation. Um, and this is the likes of, you know, Tesla with, with uh, or um, advanced lane assist and, and, um, and what have you. But the reality is that we've reached a kind of intelligence bottleneck in terms of um, how autonomous vehicles actually represent the environment, the driving phenomena, and how they engage with that phenomena. Um, so we need more intelligence um, to support a driver's vehicle in, make, in its ability and capacity to, to make decisions navigating the, the road. So I'd say another, you know, five years will tell a lot. I don't think we're going to have, you know, fully autonomous vehicles anytime soon. Um, now there's billions being invested in this continually, um, you know, hopefully, um, because it will happen soon, because driverless vehicles will will offer so much opportunities in changing our urban centres, 
um, they'll be environmentally better, they'll offer mobility to many that lack it, um, and they'll change how we sort of, you know, relate to, to vehicles. If you look at our, our um, cities, um, most of the, the space in our cities are, are, are given to, to vehicles and they're jammed up. So if we move to autonomous vehicles, it can offer a kind of a different paradigm, a different way of looking at, at social mobility. Right. Okay. Uh, Dr. Martin Conneen, very interesting. Thank you. A member of LIRO, the SFI Research Centre for Software and the Emerging Risk Group at the University of Limerick. Call Limerick today now on 461995.